Thanks for joining us for World of Lies. This is Purity for Life. He is the opposite of God. So God is love, Satan is hate. God is merciful, Satan is cruel. God is truth, Satan is a lie. And so his agenda is to stop God's heart, which is to save as many as possible. One day, Jesus said to those around him that the devil has been a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When you consider that the devil once shared in the riches of God's goodness and love, this statement reveals the depths to which he fell. He knew firsthand the deep, fulfilling spiritual riches and beauty that even the sincerest believers have only tasted. And even though he had it all, he abandoned the truth and was cast down from heaven. Since that rebellion, Satan has spent 6,000 years reveling in lies, bringing an atmosphere of deception everywhere he goes. I hope by now you are becoming desperate to disentangle yourself from this atmosphere of deception. But before we begin to talk about how to do that, we have to first go a little deeper to see why deception is the prevailing characteristic of our day. We must learn about the father of lies. I think if someone has been watching all of these episodes, then they are getting a sense that there really is a battle that's going on between truth and lies, this massive cosmic battle. But one thing that we have to remember is that truth and lies are not these universal principles that everything else is subservient to, as if God is subservient to truth and Satan is subservient to lies. They're Truth and lies are flowing from these two supernatural personalities. God is the source of all truth. Satan is the source of all lies, which means that we really have to understand the character of these two beings so that we can discern what's true and what's a lie. Can we start off talking about what the character of God really is? Yeah, I mean... When I think about the Lord, all I can think about is his love, his mercy, his goodness, because that's what I encounter in my daily life. Um, you couldn't say too much about the goodness and mercy of God. But also true is that God is holy and God is righteous and his attributes never conflict with each other. Mm. The problem is that we are finite beings trying to understand the infinite. And so what we tend to do is we tend to focus on one side or the other because we can't reconcile all of it being in the same person. Mm. Well, if he's pure holiness, how can he also be pure love, you know, and pure goodness? Because pure holiness means you have to live up to some kind of a standard. and mm. But pure goodness would mean he's going to just want to do good to you no matter what you, your life is and his grace. And so people get all in a, in a, yeah mixed up in that. 
Let me just even drop it down past that and, and get to the, the, the real issue of what is God doing on this earth? Mm. What is the point of all of this? Yeah, yeah. And I'll just say it this way, that God is recruiting, if I could put it that way, um, inviting um, human beings to become a part of what we call the body of Christ, but it's also becoming the bride of Christ. This bride of Christ is the person who God is getting to be married to his son and live happily ever after mm. in eternity. Mm. So, you know, you have a son. What kind of bride do you want? Mm. You know what I mean? Do you want a bride who's wayward half the time, who's half committed to her husband, who is just real corrupt inside? Is that the kind of person you want for your son? No. Mm -hmm. And so even though he's pure goodness, his goodness encapsulates the whole concept of what he's doing. And what he's doing is bringing together this body of people who he can lavish with his love and his mercy and his goodness. And yes, his grace also that covers, you know, the kinds of sins that we all just struggle with in life. I mean, I can't describe, do any justice to all that's involved with God's character, all these different attributes and how they all work together. I don't know. All I know is that he says it, and I believe it. Let's move next to the character of Satan. In, in our world, we have really made a caricature of Satan, I think. Sometimes you see him represented as a little man with a pitchfork. Sometimes you hear him explained as just the representation of anything that is evil. Not a real person, but just a force. Some people have just completely explained him away. Um, so if we're going to talk about lies, we do really need a solid conception of what his character is actually like. Can you talk about that? The easy answer to that is that he is the opposite of God. So God is love. Satan is hate. God is merciful. Satan is cruel. Mm. God is truth. Satan is a lie, a falsehood, a constant um, source of falseness coming forth from him in the form of outright lies, brazen lies, over-the-top lies, but also half-truths, which mm. are the most powerful kind of lies. Mm. Um, the other thing to consider with Satan is his agenda. Yeah. God has an agenda. God is putting together this body to take into eternity. And, you know, when you talk about what God is doing and what the kingdom of God is all about and what the Bible is all about and Christianity and all of it, it's really all about the body of Christ. And the world is like a backdrop. It's almost not even in the picture in a kind of a sense mm. because the focus for God is all about the people who are going to be with him. 
And that is the truth with Satan as well. His focus is not on the unbelieving world. He's got them. His focus is on the stragglers who start kind of making their way towards the light. He goes after them. He goes after those who are already part of the church. He goes after them. So anyone that comes around the truth, he is going to go after them. And so his agenda is to stop God's heart, which is to save as many as possible. And the primary means he does that through is through subtlety, through cunning. It's all, but it's all wrapped up in one form of deception or another. Anything he can do to divert them away from the light and the truth, that's what Satan does. Yeah, that's helpful to understand Satan's ultimate goal so that we can maybe start to realize at some level how these different uh, avenues that he uses are part of a larger campaign. Like I think about maybe Hitler's um, European expansion. He's got these multiple war fronts, but they're all a part of his larger agenda, his campaign. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess someone might be saying, so where is this all going? Well, like I said in one of the other shows, is Satan knows his time is short. He's enraged, is what the Bible tells us, because of that. And, um, and he's using deception in a massive scale now. The Lord is letting out his leash and allowing him to exercise uh, more power and more power in the deception and so on. You read that in 2 Thessalonians 2. He is looking to bring about a one world global mindset. Mm. And that is where things are going. And that's where he wants them to go because he is going to fully possess. You know, we, we know that he entered the heart of Ananias. We know he entered the heart of Judas. We know that, but he is going to fully possess a man. Mm -hmm. There is a man alive right now on earth in politics, I'm assuming somewhere probably in Europe, who is already very evil and, and extremely self-centered and all of that. I mean, he's already made so many decisions to take him down this path that he has really opened himself up to the enemy. But the devil is going to fully possess him. And then once he fully possesses that man, he's going to be able to operate and do such tremendous things for mankind in, in the temporal setting. And let's remember, you know, the world is living in the now. Mm -hmm. They're living in the temporal, and that's all they care about. So he is going to do tremendous things that are going to answer and solve so many problems in the world. And what that is going to do is invoke uh, a tremendous worship of him. And that is what Satan has been after from day one. He wants God's glory. He wants to receive the worship. That's why there was an insurrection in heaven, because he wanted the glory that he saw God receiving. So where things are going is to bring about this one world 
mindset, and you see it. Man, CNN, BBC, they are propagators of it, you know, and the socialism in um, Western Europe, and 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 the really it's the same thing in Russia and China, and it's all coming together, and it's it's uh, we feel the push in America. I mean, Trump, for all his faults, stood against that, and that's why he has faced a withering attack ever since he came into office is because he is standing in the way of Satan accomplishing his goal. Mm -hmm. And that is to get this man, whoever he is, in full power so that the world will worship Satan in the guise of this man. That's where things are headed. So you mentioned in, in one of your previous answers that God's focus is on the church. That's his perspective. The world's almost like a backdrop. And also that Satan's focus is on those who are trying to find their way into the church. But now you've just said that basically the whole world is his stage to be worshipped. So where does the church fit into this whole scenario? Well, the church is in the way, that's for sure. You know, Satan is trying to capture the worship of the entire world. And you have uh, these believers, hmm. um, you know, scattered throughout the world who will not bow the knee, won't hmm. take the mark of the beast, no matter what, you know, so they're in the way. The book of Revelation in chapter 17 and 18, it talks about the harlot. And the harlot is, the, is what we've been talking about in past shows, this subculture, this, you know, church system that hasn't really given their hearts to the Lord and so on. So that is what Satan is going to use, I believe, to persecute the true church. Mm. And I see that going on now in, in the church. You have multitudes of people out there who want to believe that they are part of the true church. And so you, you get a guy in you know, first Christian church in Dallas, whatever. And he gets saved and gets thoroughly saved. Yeah, and he yeah. is on fire for God because anyone who truly gets saved gets on fire for God. He comes into this church and people are like, what do you mean you're not going to go to movies? What do you mean you don't watch television that you feel like the enemy's in it? What do you mean that we can't do this stuff. You know, you're just being legalistic. And this thing rises up in people that are part of the subculture. It rises up inside them. Well, that is, I believe, what the Antichrist is going to especially use to persecute the true believers in the same way that the Romans used the Jews to persecute the Christians of the first century. Mm. You know, it's the people who are in the religious system who will hate the true believers the most because, you know, it shows them up for what they are. Mm. So Satan's got an agenda, but you know what? Satan is, um, he's like Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was an evil man, but God used him to accomplish his greater purposes for who? For the world? No, not for the world, for his people. Because mm. his people, he, he, to accomplish the purification he wanted to accomplish in Israel, he had to have them 
taken off to Babylon and completely um, sever them from the land of Israel for 70 years in order to get the love of idolatry out of them. We have a lot of false loves inside of us. You know, even I'm talking about true believers. Mm. You can't live in America without being affected, you know, yeah, yeah. by stuff. And so the, the Lord is going to allow the enemy to persecute us, but it is to purify us and to prepare us for heaven. Am I looking forward to that? Nope. I'm surely not looking forward to persecution, but yet I know that God will make himself so real to us as we go through and as those things that we have loved and been distracted by fall away out of our lives because of this in, um, this intensity and this pressure. And I'm telling you, when God is real to you, you can go through anything. And I've just been reading a C.S. Lewis book uh, about pain and the problem of pain. And one of the things he says in there is the thing that can get you through pain like nothing else is feeling the love of God. And that is the truth. And that's what will become real to us because of the purification that we'll be going through. Our enemy is very real. When we talk about Satan's character and his agenda, we aren't talking about something that's disconnected from our lives. We are the target of his schemes. And he will be satisfied with nothing less than the destruction of our lives and of our souls. Dustin Renz knows these schemes very well. He came through our residential program about a decade ago, and his life is a perfect illustration about how the enemy is able to draw us into his world and corrupt our souls with his lies. His experience is probably a lot more dramatic than yours, but I want you to listen closely because what he is going to share with you will bring the enemy's agenda in your own life into sharp focus. Dustin, several chapters in Walking in Truth and a World of Lies are devoted to explaining why Satan's lies are so powerful. And we know he is a master deceiver, but... The reason that they're so powerful, they have such a, a hold on us, is because our own sinful hearts wants that deception. Um, and, you know, we can hear those things in a theoretical sense, missing how it connects to our own lives, how our own hearts are being pulled by, by the lies of the enemy. And so I wanted to bring you in because... For many years, you had bought into the devil's lies, and that was taking you somewhere very real in, in your internal world. And I was hoping that you could give people a picture about what it was like for you in your life when you were walking down that path. Sure. When I was young, we did Ouija boards and satanic music, and I was at a friend's house. I got exposed to all kinds of these dark things. Mm -hmm. But at that time, when I was really young, I kind of rejected it. I, I experienced it, but I didn't really long for it. Uh, but it wasn't until I went through some things in my life, uh, my parents' divorce and some mm -hmm. of those things, when I found myself begin to latch onto that. Mm -hmm. um, and it for me, it was always music was the very uh, the driving force behind it. It was all kinds of satanic and goth rock bands, but what it did— was opened me up to uh, satanic deception, mm -hmm. and that really became 
a driving force of my life. I mean, I was, as a teenager, even in my formative years, not really understanding exactly what I was getting into, but I just remember I was so filled with rage and hatred. I knew I, I hated myself and who I'd become, and I hated people around me. I mean, I, I had a very a strong desire to get revenge on people. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hurt people. I wanted to hurt myself. I mean, I had suicide attempts, and uh, outwardly that played out with cross-dressing and, and wearing all black. I mean, I did all that kind of stuff. I was very depressed. Um, but even after I got out of that lifestyle and started dabbling with drugs and partying and all that kind of stuff, that it was that same internal anger and frustration and yeah. all that just kind of carried on with me at all times. And um, and so when I look back, I, I wouldn't have been able to verbalize this back then. But what I see is, you know, the Bible talks about how Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Hmm. And I realized I never had, I always had an awareness that God of the Bible was really God and that there was a real devil. But somehow in all that I went through, the devil had almost convinced me that he was like a friend to me, that he would give me what I wanted, my heart's desires, and that God, God wouldn't be able to supply those things. And so... In all of that, it was very confusing, deceiving. Um, but looking back, I felt like that's that's kind of like at the root of it. I really believed that that God wasn't good and, and wasn't going to provide for me what I needed. Hmm. I'm glad you shared that about that lie that you were believing, because that's what I wanted to talk about next. Um, when Pastor Steve and I talked in a previous episode, he said that people are changed by deception over a period of time. So they start out here and they end here. Often the way it works is that a lie presents itself and a person follows that, buys into that lie, and then there are other deceptions that begin to present themselves. And the, and the longer you go down that path of following these lies, you are changing internally and your externals are changing. And we can end up in places we never imagined we would back at the beginning. And, you know, even if people can't relate to the specifics, cross-dressing, drugs, suicide, that lie that you were believing that the devil has something to offer and God is withholding something, that is common to man. Um, So talk more about that maybe as you look back, how that played out in your life. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at the Garden of Eden, that's really the first lie that Satan told Eve. That's the kind of like the, the first thing God's holding out on you. Yeah. There's something he doesn't want you to have. And so I think all these years later, it still works. And so it's <laughs> right. it really that that was the, the basis of the belief, because I grew up in church. I had some kind of understanding, but it was as if there was always some kind of offer on the table um, it it kind of it changed at different times. I mean, it was a, always a, a promise of satisfaction at times. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you follow this path, um, there's going to be pleasure and all these things, chasing some an experience that I could never really achieve. But mm-hmm. there was that pursuit. I remember at times it was really about power. Because I had been picked on and because I'd been bullied and abused and things, I had this inward thing that one day I was going to get back against everybody. Yeah, like one yeah. day I'm going to get my revenge on everyone. I even remember, it sounds crazy now, but like when I was a freshman in high school and I was really in this kind of middle of this darkness, I had a friend of mine and I, I kind of told her, I said, listen, I need to tell you a secret. And we talked and I said, I think I'm some kind of God. 
I said, I've got mm. this power. There's something in me that one day is going to be shown to the world. And I, mm. I couldn't even explain what that was, but I had this feeling. Now I look back and I know it's just a demonic lie that yeah. the devil promises that to people. Right. But I was I was pursuing that. There was something in me that, that wanted power. And eventually when I began doing music and got into hip hop uh, music and things, then it was just a desire for fame. It was almost mm. like the devil was saying, if you do this for me, I will elevate you and you'll become, you know, like such and such celebrity. Yeah. So it was always a pursuit of, of self. It was something that I could get out of uh, what it was like. God can't provide these things for you because if you do them for him, it's going to be for his glory. So if you really mm. want the glory and you really want the power, you're going to have to do it for, for you know, for me. It's kind of like the lie that was being yeah. purported. And so all these years I was just chasing something. And the devil was almost saying, like, just keep on coming a little bit deeper. Yeah. Keep coming a little more into the darkness. And it's right here. It's right here. But, of course, it was just an illusion, and I can never actually grasp what he was promising. And in that process, along with that pursuit, came the depression, the rage, the dissatisfaction. But you never connected that that was part of that process of following Satan. Yeah. Well, and if you had asked 14, 15, 16-year-old Dustin, are you following the devil? I would not have worded it that way. Yeah. Uh, I knew that I had allowed things into my life. At times, I used to read books on witchcraft and Satanism and listen to those kind of bands, but I never considered myself like a devil worshiper. Yeah. But now, you know, on the other side of it, looking back at my life, I'm like, it's so obvious what the devil's scheme was and what was mm. going on. Mm. But in the midst of it, it was just confusion. I just thought I was trying to live my life and, and make things happen, you know, and it just, all that was kind of taking place in, in the spiritual realm that I couldn't actually see. Hmm. Now, if someone hasn't heard your testimony, um, you eventually went to Teen Challenge because of a drug problem, and you had this incredible experience of just coming dramatically into God's light. So what was it like to have been in that darkness and then suddenly to have your mind, your heart, your emotions just changed, transformed, and, and made whole? Oh, I mean, it was incredible. It's The first month I was there at the, at the program, I wasn't able to get drugs. I had no escape. I was off medications, all that. And so the, the darkness was so vivid. I mean, I remember... Mm just getting angry at someone in the program and going and like writing poetry about how I was going to kill them and all this kind of mm. stuff. I mean, it was like all of a sudden I had nowhere to hide and all that demonic stuff was like there and I couldn't re retreat from it with mm. medicating. Mm -hmm. So when I finally surrendered my life to Christ, it was a moment of, I can't do this anymore. And if you're real, you have to show yourself. And if not, I was, I figured I would just go and end up dead. I mean, I kind of mm. knew where I would head. It, it was kind of like a make or break situation. Yeah. And it literally, you know, the, the scriptures talk about being the new creation, the old yeah. is gone, the new has come. And that's like, I look back at my life and it was so obvious that God had done something because I literally transformed, not necessarily overnight, but in a very short period of time yeah. to where I was a completely different person. Like every motive of my heart, the priorities, I mean, the, the peace inside, my mind being renewed and clear and just the desire to be with the Lord. All, all I wanted to do was worship and pray. I, I remember we weren't allowed to keep the lights on at night, except for if you're in the bathroom. So I would go into the bathroom with my Bible, and for hours I would mm. just dig through the Scriptures because I was so hungry for God. Wow. Um, scripture says that we're brought out of darkness into His marvelous yeah. light. And for some people that's more subtle, but for me that was a very apparent reality, not only to me but to everyone around me. Mm. 
So today you're a pastor, and you have a speaking ministry, you've written several books, and I know that one of the things that just burdens you deeply is that you want to see the church be what she has been called to be, both corporately and individually. Um, So when you see someone who's maybe not even going down as dramatic a path as you're going down, but just believing those lies, and you're seeing the enemy leading them away from the Lord. What what do you do to help? I mean, there's, there's a couple things. The first one probably should be obvious, but in today's church culture, sometimes things aren't so obvious, but the Word of God mm. being the unadulterated truth of God. Yeah that every lie that the enemy has ever come up with the the truth is in that word hmm. and and there's there i think we underestimate the power of the scriptures um, and so when i'm talking counseling you know it's taking them to the scripture it's it continue when i'm preaching when i'm ministering my books everything that i do it, i'm very concerned that the scripture is is throughout it because that's the truth that really transforms yeah. people's lives i remember listening to david wilkerson a few years ago in a message and he defined um a stronghold as any lie that a Christian believes. Mm. And that's always stuck with me. And the solution to that is if you're believing a lie, then you need to be confronted with the truth. And we get that with the word. Um, The other thing that I found for me personally, that's been very powerful is the power of testimony. I had that experience recently with somebody just being able to minister to somebody and say, listen, I may not have been exactly where you're at, but let me tell you a little bit about what God brought me out of. And there's something that, that clicks with people when they see, well, maybe I'm not the only one dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And when they see somebody who's been through something similar and those lies have been overthrown and they're walking in the truth, it gives them the hope. I mean, it's almost like an invitation. God did this for me. He can do it for you. Yeah. One last one last follow-up. You know, the further you go into that darkness, the more power that darkness actually has over you. And I know that um, the hopelessness and the despair, it can feel like it is. Imp- I am never getting out of this prison. And what would you say to a person like that today? I would tell them. I mean, there there is hope. I would I would do what I just said. I would yeah. share my story. That you've heard the story. If you're if someone's listening right now, I'm not the only one that God's done that for. But part of the enemy's deception is to make you believe there's no hope for you. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons a lot of people I think they refuse Christ or they refuse the offer of salvation because they feel God might love someone else. He might mm-hmm. be able to die mm-hmm. for them, but there's no hope for me. Yeah. And if you can identify that as not truth and, and look at the truth of the scripture, that there's hope in Christ, that he died for the world, the sins of the world, and that he died for you. Mm-hmm. And if you can begin to realize, maybe even though I feel hopeless, that could just be the enemy telling me that. But there, right. what if there? What if God does love me? What if He really does want to set me free? What yeah. if there is hope for me? And begin to confront that and, and find somebody, especially that you can walk through this with. I mean, listening to an interview is a, maybe a first step in right. receiving that. But but going to a spiritual leader, finding a pastor or a trusted friend, and begin to share those things that are inside, um, because I find oftentimes the more deceived you are, the more you keep that stuff internally. And yeah. when you begin to speak it out loud, yeah. you realize how ridiculous it sounds when yeah. you actually say to somebody, there's no hope for someone like me. And right. then when it comes out, you're like, wait a minute, that that sounds like a lie. So sometimes just confiding in someone who has the spiritual 
ability to help you yeah. and begin to say, here's what I'm feeling. What do you think? And allow them to minister to you and allow them to begin to bring you to the truth of God's word, I think mm-hmm. would be a, a great first step in that process. Sun Tzu, the famous military strategist, once wrote, If you know yourself and you know the enemy, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. How true this is, even in our spiritual war. For the last seven episodes, this is exactly what we've been trying to help you do. We want you to know your enemy, to know his goals, to know his schemes, and to know what you must do to avoid falling prey to his devices. Make no mistake, the enemy will use everything at his disposal to assimilate you into the spirit and mindset of his kingdom. You see a perfect picture of this in the book of Daniel, as the Babylonian kingdom worked tirelessly to get four Hebrew boys to be so like the culture of Babylon that they would forget their God. Isn't that how the enemy is using academia, politics, the internet, media, big business, etc.? Isn't he drawing millions of professing Christians into his mindset and shaping their wills into his own image? You have to know your enemy. But you also must know yourself. Pastor Steve said it as clearly as possible. There's something in all of us that wants to be deceived. If that weren't true, the enemy's most powerful lies wouldn't even be able to touch us. So, I guess we've come to the crucial question. How serious are you about having your eyes opened to every avenue of deception? How determined are you to have every vestige of deception purged from your innermost being? In other words, how committed are you to walking in truth? Listen to the words Pastor Steve used to open this series. Satan knows his time is short, and in his rage, he is on a campaign to lead Christians astray like never before. It's time for all of us to really humble ourselves and begin asking the Lord to expose any deception that we've bought into or are perpetuating ourselves. It's absolutely vital that our hearts are pure going into the perilous days ahead. Our next three episodes are going to be aimed at showing you just what it means to walk in the truth, to live in the truth, and to love the truth. We'll see you then. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.